Well, good morning. My name is Zach Thompson. I'm on staff here at Calvary Bible Church, and uh, I, I got to say so many things that I loved about Kids Week, and, and I, I'm really glad I forgot to say many of them because I would have kept going on and on. It was a really incredible week, and if you were part of that, whether praying from afar or here the entire week or even for part of it, thank you so much for making that week happen. There, there's so many incredible stories that we're still hearing coming out of that week. One in particular, I said I wasn't going to do this. Uh, I'll still tell stories. Uh, one in particular, we, we, we challenge the kids. We, we see it as a time that we are giving back as well. So how can we help give back? And we had this uh, goal that we set to provide a, a village with a, a pair of different livestock animals. They call it an ark bundle. And we said, how great would it be if we can raise enough money for one of these ark bundles to give away, to help give to this village? And, and one of the bundles costs uh, $1,580. So it's a lofty goal for 90 kids. Uh, they brought in $1,592. So now we need to figure out what to do with 12 extra dollars. It was an incredible week, so thank you for, for worshiping and being an extension of, of that this, this morning. Uh, we're continuing a series that we're in this summer where we decided to spend the summer looking at what are the things that we believe as a church? What are, what are the core truths that we hold on to over any other? And, and last week, we, we started kind of a series within a series uh, on three weeks on the question of what does it mean to be human? And the thing that we landed on first is our shared origin. In our statement of faith, in this document that contains the, the truths that we believe, it, it starts off by, by saying that we believe that God created Adam and Eve. So we believe that God created the first two human beings and every human following that. And, and if that's true, then there's some implications. There are some truths that we believe because this is how we were made. This is how we were formed. Uh, first, we, we talked about, and it's in our statement as well, that, that uh, if this is true, then it means that God has made us in his image. We are made in the image of God. That, that there's uh, some different things that this means. For, for example, it means that in some regard, we're like God. He's made us to be rational and relational, to, to have responsibility, to rule under his authority ultimately. But ultimately, it's, it's that he's made us as his representatives, that everywhere that humans go on this earth, that they are bringing a part of God's nature and his work to the world. And if it's true that humans are made in the image of God, this speaks then to our value. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe made you. He has made you intentionally and knowingly and specifically. Think about what that says of your value. It also speaks to the value of other people, that they as well are made in the image of God, and so we treat them accordingly. It speaks to the dignity of every human being. That's not based off of something that we can produce or what someone can do for our lives, but it's instead rooted in God himself. And it speaks to the significance of our work, that as God made people in his image, he said to go and work, that there's a connection of that. So as we are doing the roles that he's given us to do, we are representing God's work and nature and values in doing that. And yet, as you read all these incredible things about our creation, there's a bit of a turn in the story where things go slightly wrong. Jess, I don't have the slides for this, but can we do the scripture reading slides for it? This is uh, the book of Genesis in chapter three. Right after humans were created, 
It says this. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say to you? He said to Eve, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, no, that's not what we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we have this story to where these first humans who were made in perfect relationship with God, with everything that they need, they were given one rule to not touch or to not eat from this tree. But as they're tempted in this, they said, that's not true. And they give in to that temptation. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, to Adam, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewn fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So the language here is, is a bit different than what we were talking about last week that all humans were created with this value and glory and dignity and worth, that they had this perfect relationship with God, they had everything that they needed, but God had given them this specific rule to not eat from this tree, this tree, and they did that. And this changed everything. Humans who were meant to be with God are now hiding from him. Humans who were, who were never meant to know what shame or guilt is are now trying to cover themselves up with anything at hand. Humans who are meant to be God's representatives to this world are now acting like his rival, thinking that they know better than the God who knows all things, that they can do more than the God who's able and knows all things. And we see this shift in the story, that the image of God that was put in all humans was actually fractured and marred. Because this is how Genesis 3 continues. God uh, sees what Adam and Eve has done, and this is what he says to them. To the woman, to Eve, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire will, shall be contrary to your husband, and he, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. By, uh, what we see here is that the, the language that we see in the first couple chapters has changed dramatically. Where everything was called good, now there's talk of strife and toil. Where we look at how God created humans to be, there's, there's a complete reversal of just about all of it. God, God said that he has made us to work the land and it's part of our role, it's part of how he's made us to be, and now that work has been tainted and made difficult just turned into mere exertion. God had created, uh, said to fill the earth, to, to multiply, and that too has been impacted. God has created us for relationships with each other, and we see that there's a strife now between those relationships. That by humans going against this God who's given everything that they have to them, by sin entering into the world, well, actually, everything has become broken. Now, I know it's not fun to talk about sin 
And, and maybe if I was scheduling things differently, we might not have done it on this week where we just had uh, this time with all the kids helping lead us in worship, but it, it is important to talk about this. It is important for us to say what is right and what is wrong. It, there, there needs to be a place in every part of our life where we are saying and, and free to say when something is wrong. When you're raising a child, uh, there needs to be a boundary. There needs to be the ability to say when something is wrong. It's wrong to just eat dessert. It's wrong to ride your bike up I-25. In saying these things, it's not trying to limit this child, but it's trying to help guide them in a way that's helpful for them, to show care to them in this way. In society, saying that something is wrong is a way for us to remain safe and peaceable and and, uh, seek the good of all people. So we tell the murderer that was wrong. We tell people who are uh, taking things that aren't theirs, people who are exploiting other people just for their gain, to say that that is wrong. We need to be able to do that to help care for society as a whole. And it's why we support each other when they have been wronged. When, when someone has gone against them, we want to help them because that shouldn't be the case. When, when uh, they've faced loss and devastation, whether it's intentional or not, that we can come alongside them and say, this should not have happened this way. Your life should not be overturned because of this disaster. In these moments, we have to be able to say what is wrong to function as individuals, as society. See, when we stop saying what is wrong, that, that's not us becoming more loving. That if we just let people do what they want, That's not being more loving. It's actually showing no care for that person. I want this child to know that I care for them, so I'm saying what's wrong. uh, This murderer did wrong because every person has a right to life. This person who's who's looking at the ashes of their home, we, we are saying this should not have happened this way. When we don't say what's wrong, well, we've lost any ability to say what's right. We've lost the ability to point to what is good and just and beautiful because we don't insist upon those things. Refusing to say what is wrong isn't being more loving. That's actually apathy and not caring about that person. And I think, honestly, you ask people, and they're, they're very comfortable in saying what's wrong. Every group will look at other groups and say what is wrong, what to them is a sin. People are comfortable with this. Even those who say, oh, it's, it's just live and let live, If they insist upon that, they're telling people who don't insist upon that that they are wrong. Everyone speaks about who has done sin, who has wronged their group. I think it's just that we don't like being the recipients of that. And the Bible is very clear all throughout that there is a lot that is wrong. So this morning we're gonna look at what is wrong in the world. And we're gonna look at what is wrong in, in others. And then we're gonna look at what is wrong in ourselves. So as we look at the Bible and we look at what is sin, what is wrong in this world, we'll look at the world, others, and ourselves. If you have a Bible or a phone or you're comfortable with with turning with me, can you turn to Romans chapter five? It's in the New Testament, the second half of the book. Uh, There's a table of contents on the front end that will tell you where Romans is. We have Bibles in the back, or we'll put it up on the screen. In fact, Jess has already put it up on the screen. You could follow it along there. Uh, I just always want to show where is this coming from, that this is not me, hopefully not making this up, but this is what God has revealed as his truth. So as we look at what is wrong in this world, uh, we see this example coming to us from Romans chapter five, starting in verse 12. 
It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, and sin was not counted where there is no law. And yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those sinning, uh, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, not like what we just read about in Genesis 3, who was a type of the one who was to come. So a couple things to, that I want to focus on here. We, uh, we'll start by just asking a question that, that gets asked all the time. What is wrong with the world? You ask anybody that question, you, they'll, they'll be quick to give you some answers. In, in fact, some of the answers that you might hear from different groups of people might conflict with e- each other. What's wrong with the world? Oh, there's too much of this thing. That's what's wrong. And then other people will look, oh, actually, there's not enough of that thing. That's what's wrong with the world. So who's right in that moment? And so it it ends to some debate as we try to figure out what is wrong with the world. Or or maybe we're not trying to diagnose it. We just throw up our hands and we say, yeah, it's this era, this time that we're living in. It's just too far gone. If we can just get to a better time, that's when when things were better. If we could just make things like it were, that would make things so much better. And yet what we find in those other eras is people asking the question, what's wrong with the world? Like if we just could get before the internet, that's fractured relationships and yeah, there's a lot that's good, but if we could just get before then and what do we find? People asking what's wrong with the world. If we can get before the world wars, that's really been a fracturing of of modern nations and and there's been uh, strife that still comes from that time. And what do we find before the world wars? People asking what's wrong with the world. No, no, really, like 1910-ish, somewhere around there, G.K. Chesterton wrote a book called What's Wrong with the World? People have been asking this question in every race, in every age. And, and Romans 5 helps point to an answer that's there. It starts by saying uh, that, therefore, just as sin has come into the world through one man. So what is wrong with the world? What's that sin has come into it? That it has been shaped and marred by that. From Adam rebelling against God, all that we might say is wrong with this world has come to be. Whether we agree on what's wrong or not, at least we can agree we are unified and looking out and saying there are things that should not be as they are. There are things that are wrong. I mean, you think about the commands that God gave. He said, uh, be my representative. You are made in my image. Represent me to this world. I have all authority. Rule under that authority. Rule over this world that I've given you. And yet with sin coming into this world, there's, there's so much that we see about it that's unruly. That as much as we can become better at identifying when hurricanes might strike or other natural disasters, we're still powerless in front of them. Or as much as we can create the best fireproof materials, we still see how devastating the flame can be. We are called to rule over this world, and yet as sin has come into it, we see so many examples of how unruly this world can be. Or God said, go and work. Go and do this work that I have for you. As you're doing that, you're representing me of what I'm doing, what I'm bringing to all the ends of this this world. And yet work as well has been impacted by sin. There's a bit of work that has turned wrong as well. What was meant as a beautiful time of us working out of who God has made us to be, work instead just becomes a way to get a paycheck. Or it reminds us of the task that we just have to get done. We don't want to, but we need to if we want to get to the things we actually want to do. 
or this work that was made to reflect God and worship him and be part of what God is doing in this world has become turned away from him instead. I mean, who is more ingenious and creative and industrious in their work than scammers and drug dealers? Even work has been changed by sin coming into this world. Or even think about how God created everything and he said it was good. And yet with sin coming in, we look out into this world and there's a lot that we would say, that doesn't seem very good. The scare of murder hornets, which doesn't add very much value at all, but it instead damages ecosystems. Or avian flu, which doesn't just raise the price of eggs, but it actually devastates lives and livelihoods. There's so much that we look into this world and we say, that's wrong. That's not very good at all. Droughts, floods, El Paso, Texas, there's so much in this world that we look at and we say, that's not good. Something about it is wrong. And yet when we look at how God created this world, that was not supposed to be the case. There's so much that we can look into this world and say, that is wrong. Romans 5 tells us that that comes because sin has entered into this world. But there's also much that we see that is wrong in other people as well. And the passage continues. uh, Let me reread verse 12 again. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world, so all that we see that's wrong coming from this first sin, through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, we've been using that that word quite a bit. And so uh, it might be helpful now that we're about halfway through, to define our terms. What is sin? What, what does that mean that we're talking about? We've, we've connected it with what is wrong, and so what is sin? Well, sin is anything that does wrong by God. And, and there's kind of two different focuses to this. So sin is uh, not, uh, so it is doing what God tells us not to do. So God says, do not lie. If we lie, we have done wrong by God. We did what he told us not to do. The other side of that is not doing what God tells us to do. So love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't do that, we are doing wrong by God. We are not doing what God tells us to do. And we see this go back to that first sin that we read about in Genesis chapter three. God said, do not eat of this one tree. And yet Adam and Eve did exactly that. And this is the God who has all authority. So uh, doing wrong by him, ignoring what he says to do, is a rejection of his authority. This is the God who's, who's given every single person every good thing that we, they have. We, we just sang about that, that he has given us good things. So pursuing something apart from him is a rejection of what he's given us, a rejection of his character and his goodness. And he is the God who's created this whole world, who has more right to say and rule over that creation than the one who made it. And so in doing wrong by this God and sinning against him, that has what shifted and changed this whole, uh, this whole world that we're in and all people who are within it. The, the passage says that we are sinners by this connection to this first sin. Through this first sin, all people are sinners by nature that because we are connected with Adam, we are all descendants from him, that we receive this sinful nature on behalf. But it's also that he was our representative that day, 
that he, as he gave into this temptation of sin, he represented all of humanity as he did so. So think about it like uh, a king declares a war on another king. In those moments, you don't just see the two of them go out in a field and hit each other with swords and stuff like that. No, as the representative of the nation, when a king says, we're going to war, that nation now goes to war. In the same way as, as Adam was our representative and he gave in to sin, he represented all of humanity as he did, did that, as sin came into the world through one man. But it's not just that we, we haven't inherited this, like we didn't deserve this, we all got it. The passage also says that we are sinners by choice as well. It says all have sinned. All have gone against this God. All have not done what he has told them to do all have done what God has told them not to do. That we are sinful by choice. Romans 3 makes this, this point as well. So just a, a page or two before the passage that we're in. Romans 3, starting in verse 10, it says, as it is written, no one is righteous. No one has done right. The, the way to put this otherwise, everyone has done wrong. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, which is not how we were made. We were made with so much worth. No one does good, not even one. That all have turned aside from this God. This God who's made us in his image, this God who's perfect and and all-knowing and all-powerful, the one who knows what's good for us, who has given us all good things, all have turned aside from this God. And no one can do good. This doesn't mean that no one's able to do a good thing or, or that we can't be nice or polite. Of course we can. But no one can do anything to make things good between us and God. And turning away from this God, that is a fractured relationship that can't be put back together. And, and I think that if we, if we look, we, we acknowledge that, yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think there's a sense of us that knows that there is something wrong in this world that we're giving in new examples of tragedy time and time again that, that maybe we just get numb to. But I think they point us to something being wrong. And I think as we look at people, we see, yeah, there's something wrong there too. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. All the hardships and pain that people go through, like that, that can't be it, right? That, that can't be what we're meant for. How much wasted potential there is in every single person how, how much hardship there has to be overcome, how much questioning every single person has about what is our purpose, what are we here for, what am I supposed to do? Are we supposed to be this lost, this, this confused in all things? As we look at this world, as we look at people, we see that things just don't quite line up. When I was a kids pastor, I would try to describe this to, to kids by, by saying that uh, humans are Lego people in a Duplo world. So if, if you don't know what Duplos are, they, they look like Legos. They, they have the same kind of principle. You build things by connecting bricks onto the studs of another brick, and you get to have great creations. They're made by the same company. They have the same origin. And yet, Duplos are a little bit different. They're sized bigger, so little kids don't choke on them. Uh, But if you took a Lego minifigure, it sure looks like it belongs in that place. Its feet are designed to clip onto studs. It it looks very much so what a Lego set might look like. And yet if you tried to clip that Lego minifigure into the the base plate of a Duplo set, the the foundation piece, it was just not going to work. 
Everything looks like it should line up. Everything looks like it should fit. But there's just something that's off. There's something that's wrong in it. In the same way for all of humans, that we look out into this world, God called it very good, and yet there's something that's off. There's something that's wrong inside of it. God called humans very good, and yet there's something that's off in our lives. There's something wrong inside of us. And it just doesn't seem to quite fit. It doesn't seem like, like we are, are, are here, uh, meant for this place. It just doesn't fit nicely and neatly. So as we, as we sense this inside of us, we, we can call it whatever we want. There's this questioning of, do we belong here? Is this our fit? We can call it existential angst or the need to find our true selves, whatever it might be. There's that sense inside of us that things are just slightly off, slightly wrong. And in the moments that we realize this, it, it, it causes questions inside of ourselves. Is this really all that there is? Or maybe we don't like those questions. We, we don't like to think about it. We, we instead just distract ourselves, get our minds to turn off with entertainment or whatever it might be. Or uh, we, we just ignore it. We, we just try to plow ahead. We, we do this work that doesn't fully satisfy us, and yet we just keep at it time and time again. Or, or we just find any glimpse of goodness that we can in the world and, and put a stranglehold off of it. Don't go. Don't let me down. And it always crumbles. It always comes up short. We just find ourselves again as a Lego person in a Duplo world. As we talk about what's, what's wrong in this world and what's wrong with other people, we might see examples of that being true, but quickly there might be a realization that while we might say that this is, this is true for all people, we soon realize that that word all becomes personalized that we are included in that. That when we say that all people have sinned, well, this would mean you and me. That we too have turned away from this God. We too have gone our own way. We too have turned to other things. Martin Luther uh, once, once wrote that scripture describes man as so curved in upon himself that he uses not only physical, but even spiritual goods for his own purposes, and in all things seeks only himself. Then when we think about how we were made, how much of that becomes shifted and marred to instead of looking for the good of God and others and this planet, so much of our life becomes curved inward. That we were made for work, to, to glorify God, to represent him to all the world, and yet so much of this, uh, the work that I do is just to further myself. Or we were made uh, for, for caring for this world, and God's given us this, very, uh, this good planet full of resources, and yet so much of my life is just trying to amass as many resources for myself as possible. Or God created us for relationships in this world, and yet so, much, uh, so often my relationships can be things that just further myself. Oh, if I uh, know this person, they might help me, or they might get in my debt, or I, by helping them, I loved this feeling that was generated inside of me. I need to keep feeling this feeling by doing good. And we might recoil, like, no one is, is that selfish all the time, which is often the sign of selfishness when our selfishness gets attacked. And certainly we may not say this or articulate it, but there's so much of what we do that is so curved in 
on ourselves. Luther says that even spiritual goods, that even interaction with God can be done just in a way for my benefit only. All right, God, I'm gonna read your Bible. I'm gonna do all the things that you tell me to, and then you'll be able to do what I want you to do. Of course, we're never explicit in any of this. No one creates a life plan that starts off with exploit as many people as possible. No one looks to God and says, what can I do to get you to owe me one? But we do have these moments, these moments of clarity, as we look around and it's the question of how did I get here? How did things go so wrong? And it's in those moments that we see that there's not just sin in the world, there's not just sin in other people, there's sin in us as well, that all have turned away from this God this God who designed us and gave us every good thing, who's made us in his image, who's, who's uh, given us uh, all that we have, who's given us a role to have, who's given us value and worth and glory and honor, that we have turned away from him and said, no, I can do it on my own. I got this. I know better than you do of what's good for me. To the God who knows all things, I can do better with what I have. To the God who can do all things, who's given us all things. That all have sinned, so this, it, it, this changes who we are, that we were made to have this relationship with God, but instead becomes this impassable chasm between us and him. So we ask questions about what is our purpose when we have been severed from the God who's given us our purpose. That the image of God that's in us, and, and yes, it's still in us after the fall, but it's been marred, and so it's, it's not quite what it's supposed to be. So it's this question of what is my value and what is my worth because we aren't reminded of what's been given to us. That the relationships that we were meant to have with, with God, with each other, with this world, who have been, have been shattered in so many pieces that there's not enough crazy glue in the world to put it back together. That no one can escape this. No one can escape sin. All have done it. So instead of the lives that we were made for, we live lives of guilt and shame and condemnation and death, physical and spiritual. That sin corrupts the whole world, resulting in suffering and loss and hardships. That the relationships that we were made for with God, one another, and the world have been changed. And how grateful are we that the Bible doesn't end there? We'll talk about more of what is the cure for sin, what is the hope we have in the future next week, but it it would be so inappropriate to leave it there. The Bible says there's sin in the world and others and ourselves. Have a good rest of the Sunday. (laughs) Instead, it it would be so inappropriate to, to speak about these shattered relationships without pointing to the restoration that is found in Jesus. For us to spend time talking about uh, the, the fractured relationship that we have with God and not talk about the reconciliation that comes from Jesus, to, to talk uh, about uh, this world being wrong and, and to not look at the renewal that comes from God, to be so curved in on ourselves and not talk about the God who brings alignment, that his work, like spiritual scoliosis treatment, straightens us out in the way that we are made to be, that he has come. While we have turned away from this God, God pursued us. While we rebelled, he has brought restoration. 
Where we sin, God brought forgiveness. Where, where he, we earned the only just punishment for sin, what, what has to be true if things have gone this wrong, the earned punishment for sin is death. As we have earned that, God has instead taken that punishment and paid that for us. Where our union, our connection to Adam has brought sin into this world, into all people, it is our union, our connection with Jesus that we are set free. That is the story of the Bible. The God of the universe has made you uniquely and especially valuable in his image with a role in mind that you get to be part of the work that he's doing. We, as humans, have all turned away from him. And where sin is taking what is rightfully God, salvation is God taking what is rightfully ours instead. That sin, sin is us trying to do what only God deserves, and God instead in salvation takes away from us what we only deserve. That there's nothing in this world that we can do to try and make things right. We can't restore these relationships. We can't extract the sin from the world. It is, it is permeated to every single part. As we try to do more, the best we're doing on this world is grasping at whatever we can to cover our shame. And yet instead, what we see is that when we recognize that we have been clothed in the love of Jesus, that that is when we are living in the way God has made us to live. Let me pray for us.